This episode of Light Source is brought to you by Squarespace.com. For fast, easy publishing of a professional website, check out photographers.squarespace.com slash ls. And when you sign up, use the promo code LS1 to receive a 10% discount. I'm Richard Reinsdorf here talking on Light Source about my career. And welcome to episode 76 of Light Source, the official podcast of StudioLighting.net, website introducing photographers to portrait and studio lighting equipment and techniques. I'm Bill Crawford, publisher. And I'm Ed Hidden, exclusive photographer with iStockphoto.com. On today's episode, we are going to have an interview with uh, Richard Reinsdorf. He is a commercial photographer. He does editorial work, celebrity work, advertising work, and lifestyle work as well. His website that you can follow along is rrpix.com. It's rrpix.com. Some amazing, amazing work. Shoots in like, you know, Rio and places in California that look like they're in Europe. <laughs> right. <laughs> some amazing tango halls and uh, just some incredible, incredible work work and he talks about taking lighting on the road with him and how important it is and just basically every aspect of creation from the idea to the execution of it so it was a really good interview and uh, anxious to see what everyone thinks of it i think people are going to really like this one because richard really gets into some specifics about certain portions of his portfolio which we always love so yeah i love when we get a guest that actually goes through and actually it will probably be good for people to listen to this one near a computer or near an internet connection of some kind where they can follow along because he actually calls out specific pages on the website and so that way you can kind of get an idea for the images and, and see what he is actually speaking about. Absolutely. And because it is, <laughs> we actually squeezed this interview in just a couple of days before Thanksgiving and the holiday really aren't going to take a whole lot of time on the intro here. Probably just jump right into the interview here in a couple of minutes. But is there anything going on you wanted to mention quick? Well, what you were saying about the last interview being canceled, um, I was actually notified about that from my iPhone while I was on the treadmill. Nice. <laughs> so I was able to, to not rush upstairs to meet the interview time. So because of that, I've been Twittering quite a bit lately. Hey, Ed made it on Twitter. Congratulations, man. Yeah, I, I was on pretty inactive. Um <laughs> But I'm actually uh, I'm starting to get the hang of it. It's seeing some cool value in it now, and it's it seems like the only one that's commenting back at me is Mark Wallace, and he, he's picking on me about stuff. So I'm going to have to start harassing him. That's right. Well, good. You made it to be a stage three Twitter user. Yeah, you've leveled up, where you can actually see some value in it a little bit. Yeah, so good for you. Cool. There was one piece of equipment that's come out since our last show, which is the Orbis ring flash attachment for portable flashes. Kind of interesting. Yeah, it's orbisflash.com. The website says pre-sales opens. Uh, shipping is going to start in December. We'll have to get in touch with them and see if we can get our hands on one and test it out for you guys and see what you guys think. Uh, the samples on their website are really <laughs> dramatic. They're really cool. So I'm anxious to hear what a lot of people are thinking about this one. Yeah, looking forward to that too. That'll be good. For now, I guess that's probably about it. We should just let folks enjoy this interview. Yeah, we'll see you guys in December, and let's get on in with this interview with Richard Reinsdorf. And happy Turkey Day. Gobble, gobble. And welcome to this edition of The Light Source. We have with us this evening fashion, commercial, celebrity, advertising photographer, Richard Reinsdorf. Thanks for coming on the show with us, Richard. No problem. Thanks for having me. So photographers watching this actually might recognize you as one of the photographers that was featured on America's Next Top Model. What was that like working on that show? 
It was interesting. You know, it wasn't really what I usually do because it was really more the purpose for the photography was for the show rather than for a product or magazine layout. It was more driven for the television camera than it was for the print camera. Oh, okay. Was it different working with people that are, I guess, honing their craft at that point as opposed to someone that's been a... Yeah, I mean, I think America's Next Top Model is sort of more for the entertainment value, I think, for television than it really is an industry. I mean, some of the models actually go on to model. Other ones, you never see them again. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. To me, it was it was fun. It was amusing. The ice sculpture thing was an interesting concept, and the gender bender one was interesting as well. But you know, it wasn't really beauty oriented, which is what I usually do. So, for those that may not be as familiar with your career, Richard, how would you describe your current work? Well, lately it's a little all across the board. I think that with the climate these days, uh, diversifying is really effective. Being able to you know hit different markets because one day I'm shooting an editorial for a fashion magazine, the next day I'm doing more of a lifestyle magazine or you know advertisement or catalog or pretty much across the board. For anyone that's following along at a PC or somewhere and they want to check out some of your work as we're going along here, uh, your website is rrpix.com. It's P-I-X. And I think I spent about a good 20 minutes to a half an hour just going through some of your editorial work. That, that stuff is just fabulous. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. It's a range from Brazilian Vogue to Ocean Drive, Vegas Magazine, LA Confidential, a lot of different magazines. These are definitely some very high-end works. What's like the budget on some of these things? Are these just like sky's no limit sort of things? things or it's funny a lot of times the more creative work you do the less money you get so <laughs> it's kind of an irony you know the time you're allowed to express yourself creatively which i think the point of editorial is in my opinion creative expression it's the ability to go and the magazine saying hey you've got eight pages ten pages you know we'd like you to show something that expresses fall fashion and we're looking for color or whatever just an example you're doing what you want with it However, it doesn't pay. I mean, the stuff that pays is the advertising catalogs, that kind of work. Okay. You know, then with editorial, the clients that pay see you and then they hire you. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, you don't really, unless it's, you know, advertorial, which occasionally happens where, where there's an advertiser kind of mixed in with an editorial. Editorial budgets are really low. Even the model rarely gets money. I mean, we get very little money and usually it barely covers costs. Right. How long has it taken you to get to where you are today? And what was it like starting out for you? I've been shooting for about 20 years now. Wow, that's great. I love it. still enjoy it a lot. It's really fun, and I think it's exciting. And I, I like going to different places and locations and shooting different situations. And it's kind of, it's really stimulating to me still, believe it or not. That's terrific. Yeah, and I started out testing. I mean, I used to develop model portfolios for local agencies in Los Angeles and started to do test shooting in New York for model portfolios and eventually built up my book strong enough to get an agent. And once I had an agent or a photo rep, as it was, I guess you photographers, we call them photo reps. My first agent, you know, was Bonnie Winston in New York and I was with her for 14 years. Oh. Now I'm with Opus in L.A. Now, did you live in L.A. or did you go there to do photography? I lived in L.A. Okay. I was advised that I needed to leave LA, but I stayed. I, I traveled a lot, though. I did a lot of work. If you, if you see my website, there's a lot of photography in Brazil, right. Argentina, New York. I did a lot of traveling. That's great. Would you say for someone who's really looking to get into this type of photography that it's important to be in a major metropolitan place, or can it, with today's environment, can you really succeed from anywhere? I think it depends what kind of photography you're trying to do. If you're trying to do what I do, then yes, I think it's imperative to be in a major market. Because if you're not in a major market, then I mean, some people would argue that it's not important, but because you can be flown in. But I think that 
for the convenience of a job that happens, you know, a lot of this work happens last minute where an ad agency calls or a creative team calls and says, we need you day after tomorrow and your team is local, you're local, you show up, you do it, you can be available to meet clients. I think that there's a comfort level for clients to make it definitely more advantageous to be. Okay, great. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that does. And I guess if you're renting anything or anything like that, it would be nice as well. You're close to those metropolitan areas makes a a big difference. Right. Now, Richard, you sent us a a video earlier of some behind-the-scenes stuff from one of your more recent shot with Skechers. Is that... Yeah, the current Skechers campaign. Yeah, it's terrific. What was that like being a part of that campaign? It's always exciting. You know, that they like to get everything done in one day, basically. They'll have 16 models. Wow. I'll have a pre-light day where we light up, we light three different studios. That'll be the day before, and we usually take all day lighting. I meet with the art directors, then we go to the studio, and we pre-light each scenario that, that they want. So okay. Usually about six different art directors with different photo plans, and they like to rotate the models to the different scenes. Wow. Okay. So the, the day before, you just use assistants and stuff for testing lighting and all that? Yeah, I've got a crew about two digital techs, six assistants, and we pre-light the studio. Wow. That's great. Yeah, so it's a pretty big production. Sounds like it. Yeah, I think you've seen the video. Yeah, we're going to link to that video so that everybody can check that out. It's, it is really interesting. You get a good view of what goes on. What are some of the challenges on that type of a shoot with the fast pace and all those people around? <laughs> Well, I think it's just having a really clear picture of what you need to get. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. Each client has a different need. Sketcher's need is to get the shapes, the energy of the models, and the models in the correct positions for them to do graphic design around the models. Mm. Now, as I think I do a Sony Vaya, there's a video on that, too, on my website, where it's really more conceptual, and it's about background mixed with environment, mixed with models, scenery, and sort of selling a product in those scenarios. So it's a whole different language, basically. But it's fun to be able to change it up and go from a sketcher shoot in the studio and then go to, you know, the mountaintops of Rio shooting with helicopters and models. Right. We were just looking at the stuff from the Sony Vio ads. We, we really enjoyed those images. One of the things that I noticed that really stood out to me was it seems like you have a real talent for de-emphasis. You know, drawing attention to the items that you really want to draw attention to with almost subtractive lighting. Would you say that, that that's something that you do a lot? Yeah, a lot, a lot. For me, lighting is one of the most important things that I think is a, a tool in photography that, that allows me to, to do what I do. For instance, with Sony, we used battery-powered packs on location to overpower the daylight to saturate the skies and really give it a cinematic flavor. I think that's probably about the best adjective you could use for it, cinematic. I mean, it, it, everything is just very smooth, very clean, very Hollywood-looking. When you're working with something where you're going to be overpowering the sun, which approach do you take to it? Do you work on getting your background exposure first before worrying about yeah, what you're usually your foregrounds? I always, I always expose for background first when I'm doing the Sony Biotype ads, and then I bring the strobes in later and fill in. I gently try to put the strobes in so they don't. I don't want it to look stroby, but I want it to come in and look almost like sun, the sun, or you know, I have a natural glow about it. Even surreal. For me, I've been using the 7Bs and, and been pretty lucky with them. Okay. Those are nice and portable then. Yeah, you know, and, and you can have one on a pack on an assistant shoulder or a couple different packs on different assistant shoulders if necessary. And if you're going shooting in the ocean or wherever you are, you, it's very, they're very mobile. I think it's a great system for that. I mean, you've talked about some of the lighting gear and stuff that you've worked with. Do you use any type of line specifically or exclusively? Yeah, you only use for photo lighting. Okay. Because I feel like their light shaping tools really work for the effects I try to get. I really love their PD dishes with grids and their heads with grids. And I love their octabanks. You know, their 8A and 7B packs. Fantastic. 
Now, the, the 8A is the new high-speed one that just came out, isn't it? Yeah. What's really that fast. thing like? Because, I mean, that thing is is mind-blowingly fast, isn't it? That's yeah, amazing. All the digital. I haven't even gotten to all the digital features on it yet. <laughs> right. uh, it's, uh, you know, it's even more than I need. Wow. But, uh, I mean, I've been successful with the 7s, and, and the 8s are even more incredible. In your lifestyle section, you have a studio action. Is that seven eight freeze packs? The freeze packs, definitely. As I was just going to ask, was there something specific with the pro photos that allowed you to capture that so frozen? Yeah, short flash duration, critical. I think that when you really want to do when you want to do high speed action, is having a system that can freeze the models is, is critical. I went to take over for another photographer on a shoot recently. He didn't have the freeze packs, and there was you could see movement, and the client didn't want movement, so I switched them out. And it, it corrected it immediately. Wow. That's... Yeah, I mean, it's important, especially I mean, if, if there's no movement involved in that, then I think you can use um, other packs. One of the things that we really enjoyed about the Pro Photo systems that we tested were the way that you could slide all the accessories up and down on the on the head of the, the light. It seemed to add this like extra element of control that was really interesting. Yes, yes. And that for me is one of the major things I love about it. Because as you see with my light, I really like to be critical and specific. I'm kind of fussy. So something that I can have more control over is much better. That's great. Have you used Ring Flash much? Yeah, absolutely. The Profoto Ring Flash is amazing. What would be a scenario in which you would decide that to pull out a Ring Flash, just as an example? Well, I did a shoot for Vegas Magazine where I was doing a shoot at the Planet Hollywood Hotel and we were doing an editorial with a girl and I wanted it to be kind of poppy, okay. uh, vibrant, colorful, and it worked really well. And it, it gave you that ring flash look, that flat light, which, you know, straight on creamy skin. On a lot of these shots, in addition to getting like the, these nice rich backgrounds and really well-exposed, emphasized foregrounds, there seems to be a really good balance between the two of them. Do you employ a lot of like flags or things like that to try and help control your foreground, or is it mostly just from your strobes? We do use flags. Sometimes we have to cut the light off the ground, and I use a lot of grids as well so that the light doesn't just spill everywhere. Mm. I'm big on grids. Peter dishes, strobe heads with grids. Occasionally, I like to use the octobanks, depending on what I'm trying to do. Okay. Well, some of these location shots have more than one people. You do you prefer like a larger light source in that case, or do you light everybody individually? How do you approach a group shot? It like really that? depends. I like to change it up. For instance, if you go to editorial one, that's just a beauty dish, really, with a couple flags. Oh, those are gorgeous that video, shots. That video, you know, and that's basically handheld. We actually fastened an, an arm to a pro photo beauty dish and so that it could be put over my lens and moved around. Oh, neat. Like, move around. We could walk around to those locations and shoot. And then if you look at the editorial two, that's heads with grid reflectors okay. all around. Wow. Uh, with at slow shutter speeds on tripod, burning the system. So that was in Buenos Aires and an old tango hall. So those lights, I wanted to burn them in. So we were 15th and 30th of a second the whole time. Oh, man. Sometimes an eighth of a second. It was a professional tango team. I had them, you know, trying to freeze. But I think I had the front models freeze and hold still and the other dancers. So you can, I think you can see there's some movement in them. Yeah, those are really great shots. You can see some people dancing behind them in there. That's terrific. They're a little ghosty. That's really cool stuff, man. Wow. And then uh, if you look at editorial three, that actually has strobe as well. But it was delicate because I wanted to be light and airy for the spring mm. story. It was the spring so you know just a whole different approach absolutely so yeah just really light airy not saturating the sky i just kind of wanted to breathe a little more you know that's true as well 
It is strobed, yeah. That's true. And I wanted there to still be a little bit of a glow on the skin in that case. Yeah, for that. Looks like really challenging light with direct hard shadows everywhere. And Yeah, and then cleaning it up with strobe. That's great. Thanks. It was definitely challenging. We thought, you know, I was one day on a yacht in Palm Beach, Florida. Wow. Do you find yourself using uh, large diffusion panels or reflectors much? I usually put some diffusion on the strobe heads. Okay. Between the grid and the end of the strobe, like sometimes we, I wedge diffusion paper. Okay. Inside, that, I mean, that's pretty me. If you look at editorial four, that's just heads with grids. No beauty nothing else. Oh, wow. So I just had a system hand holding simple. the heads. And when there's two models, I had each of them aiming the strobe heads at the girls. Wow. And we used two different packs, and uh, we're just being in the desert with my assistants around me. And the purpose for that was the grids was so that I could not have weird shadows on the desert floor and things like that. Okay, because it would have been conflicting shadows and stuff. Yeah, you would have had shadows hitting the floor. And so uh. what I wanted to do was aim the heads at the girls just so it skates right over the floor. And in certain cases where there were shadows, you get subtle shadows. Like you, I think you can see the back shadow from the first shot, and then the strobe head is just hitting their upper bodies. You mm. don't really... The sun cleaned it up from behind. So it's kind of interesting. Then if you look at editorial five, that was... Um, I used shiny boards, like from movies. Okay. And shined them into the windows from outside this big house. That was shot at the house where the actual events took place for the movie Casino. Oh, nice. It's Robert De Niro. Oh, Sharon Stone. Yeah, Sharon Stone and Robert De Niro. Because, you know, they, this wasn't the actual house where the movie was shot. This was the house, the actual house where the real characters lived. Oh, no kidding. In Vegas. And you could actually see bullet holes in the glass. Cause it's actually <laughs> class. And, the, uh, and, like, the shot on the couch was shot through the mirrors in the ceiling. I shot straight up through the mirrors. And, oh, no way. And we, we sort of could see it's a mix of some strobe and a lot of um, shiny boards just bouncing light into this house full of mirrors. You can kind of see where the certain hot spots happening, and it was kind of fun to play with. And I used white cards and shiny boards. So I bounced the boards from outside. The sun would hit the white cards in the house, and then it would burn out on the models, you know? Oh, that is really cool. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The different things I like to play and do differently. And then, like, editorial six was just regular studio with strobes, you know, pink gels in the background. Okay. Seven was Beauty Dish. That was Vogue magazine for Brazil and the desert. With some of that, we started shooting. The hair and makeup started at 3 a.m., and we drove out to the desert. Wow. Shot the sunrise. <laughs> crazy. And then uh, it was fun. No, that, okay, I see the sun rising in the last image especially. That's that's really neat. Do you tend to backlight yeah. when you have a chance to get the sun in the image? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, the last image actually is sunset, but it's interesting. The first the image number three is sunrise. Oh, okay. Wow. Image number three is sunrise. And so we were along. <laughs> you were there the whole day. <laughs> I was going to say, made a day. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was, I love flare and I love backlight. I love sun just getting my lens and overpowering with strobe. And it's just one of the things I like to do. But, you know, lately I've been doing a lot, a lot of the new stuff that will be coming out, I've been doing a lot more open and not so dark. Okay. But actually, editorial nine was done with Octobank. Oh, really? Oh, you can, yeah. it's the real soft fill. So now you were saying that some of the newer work that you've been doing is is a little less dark and a little more open and airy and stuff. Do you try to keep up with different trends that are are setting different styles and adjust your style accordingly? You know, I, I always look at magazines. I'm always loving looking at other people's work. I love looking at the different fashion magazines, especially a lot of the European ones, because I think it's, it's great to have inspiration. Even when I started shooting, I think one of the most helpful things was I used to rip stories that I really liked out of magazines and 
put them on my bulletin board in my room. Right. Just keep them around me and look at them, and all of a sudden it would really help me put my own ideas together. I love having inspiration, you know. And sometimes you, I mean, I'll go see a movie or I'll see a, a show or a play or whatever, and it'll give me some idea. And I think that's really important. Absolutely. Um, to find things to pull from to make your work more interesting. Now, do you find that you're still doing things like that? I know you said that you're still reading those magazines, but do you still do the, the clipping and pull, you know, kind of like... Yeah, a, yeah absolutely. I, uh, I definitely pull stories together. In fact, when I do shoot, I always try to go to magazine stands and look through magazines, get ideas together, and I'll rip inspiration pages out. So I'll have inspiration for the hairdressers, inspiration for the wardrobe stylist. I like to put booklets together for everybody, even for model positioning, you know, the kind of energy I'm looking for, really so that the story has a tight direction. A lot of times it'll evolve from there, but uh, starting points, everyone's on the same page. That's a great idea. That's just been my system. You mentioned positioning of models and stuff like that. It seems like that's something that you really have a great eye for in your composure and stuff like that. Is that, was it natural for you or did you practice that's, it? I think that was one of the things that got me. That was probably one of the things that I was good at right away. Wow. Was communicating. I think that, you know, I think part of the, being a photographer that shoots people is being able to meet whoever you're shooting at their level, wherever they're at. So if you're shooting a rap star or you're shooting a boxer or you're shooting, like I work with Oscar De La Hoya or I've shot with some rappers or shot with models or whoever you're shooting, you have to sort of meet them at their level and they have to feel comfortable around you. You know, they have to feel at ease. And, and I think part of that is really where being a good communicator is really important when you shoot people. I read a quote of one of your subjects once that said that you weren't a prima donna at all, like some of the other photographers that they'd worked with. So, yeah, so I guess your approach really does come through and people respond to that, which to me probably explains a lot of the great expressions and stuff in your images as well. Well, thanks. Well, yeah, I think it's really a lot of times taking a deep breath and when you first start shooting in the beginning, there's always nerves, just like anything. You need to show up. You want things to go well. And a lot of times, I think the tendency when one's nervous is to rush and to go through things quickly. And I think it's important to pause, take a deep breath, and then slow it all down so that you make sure that you get things the way you want them. You know, really relax. I think for me, the great thing about where I'm at now in my career is that any nervousness that I used to have is gone. I show up, I'm really not nervous anymore. Oh, that's great. And when I was in the beginning, I think the only thing that ever killed shoots when I I had what I would call failures or or times where things didn't go the way I wanted them to was probably because I maybe went too quickly or or didn't really take time and study my Polaroids back when we were shooting film. You know what I mean? Really take time to adjust things. I think it's so important now. I mean, God, you know, things are so much easier these days. (laughs) <laughs> digital because we can just take a digital shot, check the computer, and it's great to be. I mean, I love it now. Taking advantage of being able to look at a monitor and study the monitor and say, okay, I'm ready, let's go. All right. You know, it's just such a huge bonus because before, when I started out, most of us that are where I'm at started out, you know, we used to shoot Polaroids, rolls of film, and then it was a waiting game until the film came out of the lab and you'd see exactly what you got and you hope you got what you got on the Polaroid. Wow. <laughs> You know. Yeah, I uh, started in the film too, and it, it, with lighting especially, we just didn't know for sure if all the strobes are firing or anything until a couple days later. <laughs> and then now, when you go to dinner with your client after a long shoot and you're done, the client knows that they got what they need. Oh, right. Whereas before, you know, I think that you'd have dinner and you'd be there, and they would be like, "God, we," they felt good about it and they felt confident. But you know, I think there was always a, a margin of 
curiosity of how just how what they got. And now I think the comfort level of a client to be able to look at the screen and say, oh, wow, we totally got it. And they can just relax as well is wonderful. Absolutely. Then you know if there's something wrong, you can fix it before the shoot's over, before, you know, they get their film. And what they got is what they got. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's a little harder to bring everyone back together to to redo it. Yeah, and expensive. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things you said about pausing during a shoot is really interesting to me especially when you're out on location, do these locations just sort of appear or have you spent time ahead scouting? And that sort Oh, of no, thing? I scout. Okay. I okay. scout. Uh, I send uh, assistants out. Like, if you look at my flower field story, that was uh, two interns that were students at Brooks that drove, scoured the deserts for two days in their cars <laughs> before the shoot and found the best flowers during the spring blooms oh, okay. in the deserts of California and sent me snapshots. That's great. Different desert locations. And I, the idea actually came, I was watching the news and they were showing the California deserts come in bloom a couple of weeks of the year where they're usually deserts. And I called an editor friend of mine and said, you know, I, I think we should do a spring story and it should be the desert flowers, but we have to do it right away. So got on a phone with New York, got a stylist from New York, got current clothes, and we just jumped on it like really fast and had a couple of those guys drive around the desert finding me flowers. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Fields of flowers, yeah. I mean, but it was, it was critical, you know, because Absolutely. You you can't be scouting on the day of your shoot, especially when you got, you know, basically both, like if you look at Editorial 9, those girls flew in from New York the night before, stayed at a hotel, we drove out to the desert early in the morning, and they were back on a plane to New York that night. Wow. Oh. So that, you know, that's the, and you know, the hair and makeup artists were, came in from top agencies in Los Angeles, and the wardrobe stylist actually flew in from New York with the clothes, and so, you know, it's all kind of uh, coordination and a lot of timing. Like Editorial 13 was for Madame Figaro, and they wanted a story that looked European, but that was shot in La Jolla, California at the Ritz-Carlton. Oh, wow. I mean, actually, Laguna. Sorry, Laguna, Ritz-Carlton. You know, they were looking for something European. The producer I worked with basically pulled together. We're trying to find where we could make it look, you know, like the south of France, possibly. Wow. <laughs> you guys nailed it. Thanks. That's really cool. If you look at Editorial 15, that one is a rock story we did for Ocean Drive magazine. That was shot at Smashbox Studios. We actually lost our location the night before. We were supposed to be at the oh, no. club. So <laughs> we uh, literally rented a stage. It was basically shot in a white cove. Hmm. Uh, the rock band was Rock and Republic, Gene's rock band. <laughs> and we rented a stage. We got a black backdrop with some spots on it that I threw out of focus and threw heads in the background uh, with gels on them right at my lens, and that's it. And we had an atmosphere machine. So that's when we left and when we got there, it was just a white room. That's amazing. <laughs> and pulled it all together. <laughs> yeah, but that was like, that was going the way I would not like to go usually, which <laughs> right. is kind of a, you know, basically just having to just go with impulse. And, you know, I'm actually happy with it. I, it, I was really, you know, and sometimes, you know, you get your best stuff, you know, by accident. So that's good too. Wow whole thing about the moments between the moments like you set up these moments you have the model you stop shooting and all of a sudden she looks fantastic right and you shoot and that might be the best moment and a lot of times i think it is because it's a real moment you know what i mean sure so are you always ready i mean do you have your camera pretty much going the whole time yeah i always like to be ready to shoot and i like to and i like to try to catch models at times when they're not on that's interesting Sometimes they are, and I think sometimes you get a range of both. It, it makes the story flow. Huh. When you're in the studio, especially like that, do you, do you use tend to use a tripod or? Whenever possible, I like to handhold. Okay. It allows me to really 
shift angles, change perspectives, change lenses, recomposing and changing a lot for me, as opposed to shooting the same shot over and over again, becomes more interesting. Sure. I think variety is, is key, you know? Yeah, I mean, in an editorial story like this, it's such a rich mix. I think you did a great job of doing that. That's amazing. Thanks. You know, then when you work with celebrities, you have to work on a time frame, whole different ballgame. You have to, usually there's a tighter time slot. Trying to make that interesting, I think, is a whole different challenge because, you know, you, they, they want to look beautiful. And I want them to look beautiful. And at the same time, you want to try to make it interesting as well. And you have to please them, their publicist, <laughs> and your client. Sounds like it's almost as hard as family portraits. <laughs> I don't know if anything's that hard. That I I, I don't even want to attempt to embark on. That's funny. Well, no, when you're shooting with with celebrities like this and and you you have a limited time frame, do you have say in what they wear when they come or anything like that? I think I do have opinion, yeah. I mean, at this point, you know, they say, they ask me what I think. Okay. I have a vote. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you you do have some control over the... Over the final Absolutely, product, yeah. yeah, definitely. And I think that a lot of times the celebrity and their publicist look to your portfolio before they approve you. Okay, so they're after your style or your eye anyway. Yeah, they've approved your style or eye. That's cool. I think if the magazine and the along with the publicist and the celebrity are all on the same page, usually you can flow. And you know, having I think you know it's really important to have good relationships with all of all of them. Well, one of the reasons that I asked was because it seems like your choice of colors is just always really good if you envision a shot how do you coordinate the color part of it do you think of a background first or do you usually choose yeah i mean i talk to the stylist we usually have some sort of direction and i think the probably the the most important person with fashion editorial even with celebrities or without celebrities is the stylist you know you have to have a, a clear idea of where you're going so you're not on different pages and a lot of times, the more information that can be sent to the stylist when they're going to the showrooms and pulling the clothes would be great. You know, so you can say, oh, we're going to go with all black clothes, we're going to go all white, we're going to go with all, you know, monochromatic, or whichever way you want to go, it, it helps tell the story. So you might have a, a vision for an image and say you're going to shoot in a green lobby or something, and, and the stylist will help you. Yeah, absolutely. The stylist will, will I'll talk to the stylist and we'll, I mean, when you're doing this, this the models, Basically, it can be really about the clothes, and the clothes can drive the story. Uh, when you're doing celebrities, the celebrity drives the story, and the clothes are an accent. Okay. I mean, it tends to be, you know, because it's really about her, the celebrity or him. It's really what they would wear, and the clothes are not as important as they are. That's interesting. So the statement becomes about, about them, you know. It's like, would they wear that? You know, you, you know they're going to have a say on whether, no, I won't wear that, whereas a model pretty much will wear anything. Right. That the celebrity has a voice. They have a voice. Whereas a model has a voice, but the model is basically there as your model, you know? Well, when you're shooting celebrities, is there much of a difference in your approach between the men and the women? I tend to like guys to look masculine, uh, I think. I know the modern trend is the androgynous or the metrosexual type stuff, but I guess I'm old school. I like guys to look masculine, girls to look feminine. But I like to meet people where they are. I mean, I guess... To break that rule, if it's a celebrity male and the celebrity is, uh, depends who they are, you know, and whoever they are is fine. I would want to capture the essence of that. In terms of models, I just like people to look hot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, or interesting. You know, it's like, I mean, if you look at the Heineken campaign, which was advertising too, we were trying to come up with what we were going to do. And I was thinking, you know, how do we make 
summer beer work kind of with a contemporary feeling. So I was mixing, uh, so it was silhouette, kind of mixing iPod with barbecue, you know, with people (laughs) (laughs) moving and having, you know, so it was kind of adding a lifestyle element with some body motion, yet kind of party fun. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Kind of it's definitely all that together, and then having the the beer bottles, um, Heineken Amstel being the same company, backlit, and just the sun. I thought would make them glow. Oh, that's very cool. So that was kind of a concept, which was about just just kind of came together. You talked about some of the motion that you introduce in the images. How do you make that happen during a shoot? Are you getting the models laughing? Do you tell them a story? <laughs> I'm pretty animated when I shoot. I talk. I tend to be pretty vocal, and I'm a communicator, so I'm constantly getting them to wherever where they need to be. But sometimes that means to not communicate. I think that it's really important as a photographer to know when to talk and when not to talk. You know, something's looking great. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know. Okay. So, but it also is important to know when you need to fix it. I think it's finding your own balance, synchronizing your light your direction with the models, where they're at, at the right second. That's what it is. And for me, it's just a great high. When you get all of that working together, I, I get really excited. I, I, it's a thrill for me. It really is. I get really excited. It, it probably gives me the most energy of anything. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, that's cool. Sounds like a fun type of shoot to be on. I'd love to come and hang oh, out with yeah. you someday. You know, yeah, I mean, you guys are photographers. You know, when you get a great shot, isn't it a great feeling to just know you just oh, yeah. nailed it exactly what you were thinking? Just came, Everything just comes together as you wanted it to. I've been accused of making happy noises when I hit that moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little, little dance. I go, oh, oh, good. Well, like your little happy dance? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Before we wrap up here, I mean, you've shot a lot of celebrities, and I'd hate to ask you to pick one of your favorite ones, but do you have any memorable stories from any shoots that you've done that really stand out as something that was uh, really interesting or fun or, or different that had happened? Oh, my God. There's so many. Um, <laughs> there's so many stories, so many things that have happened. That's a whole different interview. <laughs> I mean, from everyone from Sarah Jessica Parker to Arnold Schwarzenegger to different people, Terry Hatcher, to I've shot tons and tons of celebrities. But, you know, they've all been interesting. I think that Sarah Jessica Parker was wonderful. She was great to work mm. with for me. I enjoyed that. I was excited to work with Arnold Schwarzenegger when I shot him. That was before he was the governator. <laughs> the governator. governor. That was an interesting shoot, and I think I, I need to be careful about talking about that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I shot O.J. Simpson for his workout video right before the, uh, oh, wow. the tragic murders happened. I could say I've had a historic career, you know. That's terrific. Shot a lot of interesting people at different times, and that's also interesting because it's like, God, just, you know, when you're, you're a photographer, I think you feel like you're a little bit a part of history. You know, you, you capture people that are really notable at certain times, and you think, God, it's, it's just interesting. It's, you know, for me, it is anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Richard, we really appreciate you taking some time with us tonight. There was one thing I read in an article that you had been interviewed, and I thought that this quote was great. You said that you tell people to look at the light that it's a good exercise to watch how it falls on people and look through your eyes before you look through the camera. Do you dig that out a little bit? What did you mean by looking? Well, I think that's part of pausing before you start shooting to actually take the camera, not to put the camera up yet before you even take your first test shots and really look at the light, especially when you're working with natural light or if you're working a strobe, look at, take one shot, look at the light 
take your time, study the light, watch where it's at. You know, if you're, for instance, with natural light, if you're using natural light with your fill cards, or if you're not using fill, you're just shooting a natural. You know, watch where the light's hitting the model's face, and then and move them into better light if they're not in good light. You know, and I think that's really critical instead of just shooting, taking time to really feel it. You know what I mean? Uh, that for me is what what makes it look better is to really look at it and say, okay, you know what? Turn your head that way, back up over here, and and if it doesn't look right, change it until it does look right. That's terrific advice. I think that's a, a great way to end our time together, too. I want to thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Well, that's all we have for this episode of Light Source, the brightest podcast on the internet. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode and all the other Light Source episodes at the website studiolighting.net. And you can also send us an email comment at studiolighting at gmail.com when you can send us comments, questions, or just images that you'd like us to see. And if you really want to get involved with some of the other listeners to the show, you can head over to the Light Source Flickr group at www.flickr.com slash groups slash light source. You can post your images and get feedback on your photography as well as seeing the things that we're taking pictures of. And as always, if you missed any of these links, our quick outro here, you can find all of that and more at www.studiolighting.net. Till next time. Bye-bye. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com. And no gerbils were harmed in the filming of this podcast. <laughs> Although I wanted to strangle one of them. <laughs> Dude, that's cracking me up. Okay, if this is going in the outtake, I need some explanation for that one. <laughs> Because they're downstairs here where the computer desk is, and it would not get off of that stupid wheel that oh, squeaked. But see, you missed this because I had to mute the interview on my side uh-huh. because I took the wheel out of the cage because it was making too much noise. And I kept hearing this noise behind me. And I was like, what is that noise? That's the lid from the cage. So I turned around and I'm listening as I'm listening to the interview. And I turn around and I look and here the guy's standing on top of his house and he leaps up and grabs a hold of the cage. Hangs upside down. <laughs> was trying to escape to get to the wheel oh, that I gosh. took out of the cage because it was making noise during the interview. And then he kept dropping to the floor because he couldn't hang on upside down. But it took him about six or seven times to realize that it wasn't a wise thing to do. Oh, that's hilarious. This was going on during the interview. I and I, and all I could think of was like, these stupid gerbils behind me <laughs> are doing this. I can't concentrate on what's going on. So I'm actually going to have to listen to the interview now. That's great. Oh, man.